chapter 6 in Acts this morning as we conclude this brief series in the book of Acts. Uh, we did not cover the entire book of Acts. We're just using the book of Acts as a point of truth that will help us in the future, help us move forward in, in the Lord, help us to continue to make disciples, continue to please the Lord, and continue to serve well. I think that's all what we what we all want, isn't it? One amen. It's all right, y'all. Come on. It's time. Chapter 6. As we look at chapter 6, we're going to talk about uh, success guaranteed, part 2. Last week, we talked about how we can't lose, how we cannot, if we're in the Lord and the Lord is working in us as believers and the power of God is in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, Spirit of God active and, 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 and we're paying attention and keeping in step with the Spirit, we can't lose. We can't be stopped. Okay? The same God that we read about in the book of Acts is the same God that you and I serve today. The same one that died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead so that you and I have any hope in this world is the same one we're reading about in these parts of Scripture in the book of Acts. Okay? So the same power and the same authority and the same success rate is there. So how can we lose? All right, y'all? So it's time to get excited. It's time to get excited about what the Lord's going to do. Now, we talk, We started this whole series, and we, we begin in chapter 1 talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, how when the uh, disciples were all together and they were praying together and they were waiting for the Lord, the Spirit of God came on them, and they began to talk about the great things of God filled with the Spirit of God. This is even before chapter 2 when Peter started proclaiming the gospel for the first time in the streets and they were noticed the spirit of god was there and the power of the lord was av- was available and it was it was indescribable it was unacceptable to some but it was there then we talk about the power of god when uh, the apostles went around healing people and how that disrupted some in their plans and it amazed others and many people got saved many people came to the lord And we also looked at the power of God when these same uh, apostles or same believers filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the same gospel with the power of the gospel, began to be persecuted, were arrested, thrown in jail, threatened. And they said, how do we listen to you instead of God? Remember all of that. We talked about the power of God. I hope hope over the last several weeks, as you've been able to uh, study with me about this, that you have... uh, really been in a, put in a position to where next week when our revival preacher comes, whatever he brings from the Lord is just going to enhance. You are kind of like hopefully primed for the revival. That was the intention of this entire sermon series, to prime, get us primed and ready for what the Lord is going to bring in our revival time. I'm sure it's going to be great. We also, we also noticed in all of this study that the gospel can't be stopped. No matter what they did, they couldn't stop it. They were, they, were, they were trying to figure out, how do we shut these guys up? So much so that they asked them if they would let them arrest them. Remember that? They went in the crowd, and they were like, uh, do you guys mind coming with us? Because they were afraid of the crowd. They were afraid of everyone that was believing this truth. The power of God is so powerful that no matter how troubling it gets, no matter how hard it gets, the will of God always has his way. Make sense? Today, 
We're going to look at chapter 6. And it's going to, hopefully, it's probably going to seem a little strange to go into this uh, sermon series when we're talking about the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, all one and the same, strength, authority, the power that we all have within us to go and make disciples, right? I want you to about this fact. Maybe you know this. I hope you do. But maybe you know this. Maybe you need to be reminded. Or maybe it's the first time you've heard it. The church is designed to grow. When God put this whole plan of salvation together, right, from the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, says that Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had sinned, and he says, y'all got to go, get out, everything's broke, I'm going to make it right. I'm the only one that can, and I will. And then Jesus goes to the cross, resurrected from the dead. Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and the church begins, the church is born. It's God's plan. It's God's plan that the church would grow. The body of Christ would grow. The group of believers, the body of believers around the world would continue to grow. Every congregation should grow. Hello? Y'all are sitting back. I can hear, I can hear your thoughts sometimes. Y'all are like, what? More people? <laughs> More people are coming? It's a legitimate thought, isn't it? Raise your hand if you if you love your church. If y'all, I'm, some of y'all are afraid not to raise your hand. <laughs> I'll, it's okay to love your church. You should love the church that God sent you to, to worship, to serve, to love on people, and to be loved by God. If you don't love your church, then you, you need something from God. And maybe we need to help you because maybe we need to change something or help you with something. Or even if even, it could be, it could be if you don't love your church, then maybe just maybe a mirror might be in order. Just a thought. Take that home and let the Lord help you with it. That's not the whole point today. Just a, just a rabbit trail right out the door. <laughs> OK, listen here. Acts chapter six. I want to read a couple of verses to start with. <laughs> verses 1 and 2. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among, the, uh, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So, verse 2, the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Just when everything was going good. First it was 3,000 got saved. And then another several thousand got saved. Then 5,000 got saved. And even in verse 1 it says, In those days their numbers were of disciples were increasing. Some translations say multiplying. Right? When, when you're trying to gain, multiplication is always better than addition. Right? And you, you notice how the church is growing. Now, let's put a pause right here, and let's go over to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 4 for a little bit of wisdom to go along with what we're looking at. It says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. Y'all are sitting back going, What on earth does that have to do with Acts chapter 6? 
if uh, Brother Will was here this morning, he would tell you that if he had no cattle in his barn or in his field, he would not have to watch his step. That's what this that's what this proverb is saying. If there's no oxen, then the barn is clean. The problem is, if there's no oxen, there's no increase. There's no tools to bring in the harvest. There's no livestock which in, in those days were uh, valuable. That's that's your that's your income. If you don't have any sheep in the field, you don't have any message. If you don't have any cattle in the field, you don't have any message. Animals are dirty, but they're valuable, right? Well, because of the Holy Spirit and the power of God and the power of the gospel and the faithfulness of the believers in these days, it says right here, their their numbers were increasing. Constantly more and more people were coming, not just a few, right? Most churches praise the Lord when we get one or two new families to join every now and then. These were people, thousands of people were coming and believing and actually leaving where they lived and moving into Jerusalem to be around other believers. That's how much they believed. And let me, how many of y'all know with people comes what? Problems, messes, baggage, we might call it. Right? Don't look at your neighbor because you're one of them. Right? I'm one of them. I got problems, y'all. In case you didn't notice, I got some problems. I got some issues. Right? I praise the Lord for y'all for putting up with me for sure. We we pray all the time. We're praying and praying that God will bring more people to our fellowship for the purpose of if they need salvation, that they would find it and that they would submit to it. But also because the more hands on deck, the, the more work we can get done. And, and the easier it is for all of us to continue the work of the Lord, right? That's just the way it is. That's, that's a fact of life. That's true in the church or outside the church. Anybody like raking leaves? Nobody likes raking leaves. I watch my neighbors all week. They're out there, and they're raking leaves, and they're on their mowers, and they're sucking up all the leaves. They're trying to get them off the grass, and I get it. But the whole time, it's raining leaves on top of them. I'm like, what are y'all doing? I'm a person. I wait till the last leaf hits the ground because I'm not doing this more than once. It's just my, it's just my, it's just my approach. Because, I mean, I blew off the driveway and I came back out there that same night and it was covered back up with leaves. Sometimes making disciples feels that way, doesn't it? Because you get two families come in here and they commit to being part of the church and one or two go out the back door some other reason and it's like you're spinning wheels sometimes but remember remember God's will is always successful he always has his way no matter what's going on no matter what it looks like it might not look so great in a moment but God's doing something because look at here he's in verse one he says their numbers were increasing and now you got the the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews meaning the Jew the Grecian Jews were no, they, they moved away and they began to learn uh, the cultures of, of the Greeks and they began to in, uh, become part of that culture and when they came back now they're mixed together. Well, you know what? This isn't just a problem of we forgot to give somebody something. 
They didn't just forget to give. They were discriminating. Oh, those those are those Jews that aren't like us. So let's let's put our Jews first, and then we'll make them sing in the back in line, and maybe there's something left for them. That's the mentality that was going on, and it was wrong. It was sinful. It's in the church. We're talking about the church, and you're looking when we read the Book of Acts. We like to read the Book of Acts because it's like. The moment in time when the Spirit of God was moving greatly and everybody was getting saved, and somehow we come to this conclusion that it's not like that anymore. Well, it is like it's still like that. People are still getting saved, and the Spirit of God is still moving around the world. And in every church, there are problems. Maybe not so great as this one, but maybe so. I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. But I'm going to point something out today because what we're trying to do is we've, we've noticed the power of the Holy Spirit. We've noticed the power of God. We've noticed the power of the gospel. We've noticed what it, what it looks like to be faithful to all of that and how we can participate in all of that. But what do we do when it gets hard? When it's not all cupcakes and ice cream. And we don't, we don't all like the same songs. We don't all like the same translation, or we don't all like pews or chairs, or we don't all like we don't all like barbecue. I don't understand that, but we don't. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> what do we do? What can we do? How do we how do we maintain the course and stay in step with the Holy Spirit when there's problems among us, and there will be. The Lord has blessed this congregation because we have a handful of newer folks that have just joined us recently. And those those folks are answer to prayer. We've been asking God to bring folks in here to help us serve him and to help us uh, witness to the community and to be a blessing to us. And here they are. Here they come. And they're going to keep coming. Here's how I know they're going to keep coming, because myself and the leadership and the members of this church, we're going to keep seeking the Lord. We're going to look for his will and we're going to do everything in our strength to stay in line with his Holy Spirit to go and make disciples. And after we do all that and before that, we're going to be on our knees asking the Lord to have his way. And I, I, a number of you, if, uh, many of you have told me since I've been at this church well, I kind of like being here because it's a smaller church and I get to know everybody. But what happens when we're not a smaller church anymore? You ever thought about it? What happens when things aren't the same? Because I can tell you this, if a thousand people showed up for church today and they stayed and they're not leaving, guess who's not the majority anymore? Guess what happens? Friction begins to happen. Not because people are ugly, not because y'all are ugly people or nothing like that. It's just because it's change and it's hard to adjust when God does great things, right? When, when you got saved for the first time, it, it, especially if you're like, if you're like, maybe not especially, but for me, I got saved as an adult. So I had my life the way I liked it. And then Jesus shows up or else I showed up in the presence of Jesus. I think it was more like that. And then. Suddenly, everything in my life's got to change. Some of it, I gladly allowed him to change. Gladly surrendered to him. But there's a lot of it I went kicking and screaming, y'all. 
not because I didn't love Jesus, not because I didn't want to be saved, not because of any other reason, but I didn't see what God was trying to do. I didn't see what God was trying to do in my life and how he was trying to change who I am. He's trying to move me closer to what Jesus died for. And the same thing is true in every congregation around the world. All around the world, the body of believers, we are constantly trying to grow. And we're asking God, more people can be saved, more people to baptize, more people to hear the gospel, more people that can come and be members of our church so that we can get more people. This is what was happening here. And they got problems. That was the problem. Look, here's, here's when God multiplies a church, the devil, Satan, wants to divide. Right? Now, I, I, bear, I got a D at best in every math class in my entire life. But I know that when it comes to church growth, division doesn't work. Multiplication is always the key. And God's the one that multiplies. We know that. We say amen about that. We pursue that, hopefully. But sometimes we get surprised by the division. We get surprised because, oh, now we've got to make room for this. Or now we've got to change that. Or now we've got to do something different than what we've always done. And it's not so much as asking people to come and be a part of who we are. It's asking God to come and help us be who he wants us to be. It's not about me or you, is it? And that's what they're learning here in chapter 6. Anytime a church grows, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be trials. And what I've learned over the years of being in ministry is sometimes people are going to leave. We don't want that. But sometimes they do. And all I can say is as a church, as, as leadership, all we can do is do our best to stay above reproach in every situation. Do our best to make sure that they know that they're loved and that they're welcome here and that we can do everything we can do to make whatever the problem is right. And sometimes that just doesn't work because the people that want to leave don't want to do that. And sometimes the Lord is just moving people around. We can get so distracted by the division or people leaving that we're missing what God is doing sometimes. We're missing what the Lord is preparing us for. We're missing the bigger picture, the future of the church, of what God is doing here in the church, in our community. But here's what I know. If, if we as brothers and sisters in Christ stand firm in the power of God and seek his will, we cannot fail. And what that means, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean thousands of people might come here. It might mean we might just maintain and be healthy and make disciples and people can get saved. And however that looks, so be it. Praise be to God. Right? So, so here's what happens. Verses 2, uh, verses two three, six, three, three, three through 4, let's read those. So verse 2, they gathered together, the, uh, the disciples gathered together, says, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word. That kind of sounds, kind of sounds arrogant if you read it wrong. They're like, well, what are you supposed to do about it? That's, that's what it sounds like, but that's not what he's saying. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, look, we care about the situation. We care so much that we need to come up with a plan because we don't want to get distracted from paying attention to the word of God 
and administering the truth into the believers' lives so that more people can be saved. Right? Because remember, they're walking around town healing people in the name of Jesus. They're walking around town proclaiming the gospel in the name of Jesus, proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. And people, thousands, thousands of people are believing and getting their lives changed. Why, why would they stop that? Because there's a problem. Right? And, and it's, it's, it's tempting for us to sit back and say, oh, we have to deal with this problem right here. So we shut everything down to deal with this problem. Because we care about the problem. We care about the people involved in the problem. God is a multitasker. Hello? In case you didn't know, God's working on your problem. He's been working on your He's working on your problem before you ever knew it was a problem. Nowhere in this Bible have I ever found that I'm allowed to stop making disciples or preaching the gospel just because I got a problem. Just because I'm worried about something that I can't fix. Something that's bigger than me. So the question is, do we really believe in the power of God? Do we really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us who are believers? And do we really believe that this mission that we've been sent to be on, making disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, do we really believe that we are going to be successful because of the power of God? Because if we really believe that, nothing's going to stop us. Nothing's going to slow us down. So they said, we're not, we, can't, we can't stop what we're called to do, so why don't you, here's what it says in verse 3. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We, we will turn the, this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Look at verse 5, or excuse me, let's stop right there. He's, he says, look, we are busy doing what, the God, what God has called us to do. However, we don't want this problem to be unsolved or undealt with, so let's find some other brothers that are close to God and that know God and that are filled with the Spirit and have this same uh, 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 power to deal with it. If you look around the room right now, everybody who's saved has the same Spirit as you living in them, has the same authority as you living in them, has the same power as you living in them. So any one of us can do anything there is to do for the Lord, should the Lord guide us to do it, right? So, so in other words, we can't have, the, the preacher can't do everything. He can try, but that's why preachers quit many times, because they're doing too much. Elders can't do everything. Sometimes they try, but that's why they burn out, because they're doing too much. People in the church, members, some of them do more than others, and they get burned out because they're doing too much. Here's, here's what the problem is. There is division in the church. they got to figure out how to solve it. So he said, let's go get some guys that know the Lord. Let's get some guys that are in touch with God. Let's get some guys that are in tune with the Holy Spirit, and let's assign them the responsibility of making sure this kind of stuff don't happen among the believers. 
And they did it. They went and found these guys. Look at verse 5. He says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They, they chose Stephen, man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nic- Nicanor, Timon. I call him Timon because I'm from the south. Paramenus and Nicholas from Antioch. A convert to Judaism. All right. Then they brought these guys. Look, verse 6. They presented these men to the apostles who, pray, who prayed and laid their hands on them. The key is in verse 5, y'all. The key is in verse 5. This proposal pleased not just the, the, the apostles. It didn't just please the, the seven guys that got picked. It pleased the whole group. The whole church was happy with this solution. It's like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Why? Because some of them guys are Greeks. A lot of them guys were Greeks. And they were going to make sure that their widows were taken care of just the same as the other Jewish widows. Problem solved, God honored. Right? Let's keep making disciples. Let's keep, let's move on. <laughs> Too many times we sit at a flat tire, <laughs> we look at a flat tire and think if we look at it long enough, it'll fix itself. I've been guilty of that. You don't know what to do, so you don't do anything. Well, they found a, re- they found a way to get it fixed, the problem. And here's the key word. They were united in this effort. They were united not only with Jesus, right? Not only united in Christ, they were united with each other saying, hey, this is a problem. Let's make this stop. Look, this is interfering with what we're trying to do here. This is interfering with what God's trying to do here. Let's just do something together and make it stop. And they, all said, they, they were all pleased about it. The whole group, it says, was pleased. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says all the believers were one in in heart and mind. And here and again in Acts chapter 6, we just read this proposal pleased the whole group. You notice every time right before the church grows, right before God adds to the church or multiplies the church, it says that they were all together. They were all one-minded and like-hearted, like-minded and one-hearted. They were all unified. For the same purpose. Church congregations that struggle to grow spiritually and in numbers, they're not unified with each other for some reason or another. They're they're not on the same page. Not that they don't all love the Lord. They're just not on the same page with what's going on and what they're doing. They're disconnected from what the Spirit of God is leading somehow. And, and, And before we look down on those churches, those congregations, it's easy to get there. It really is easy to get there. Because if you didn't notice, people are selfish. The reason I know that's true because I can close my eyes. Some, some, some of you were sitting back shaking your head like, I'm not selfish. I don't know what the Lord deal with that. Because I've been that way my own self. The fact that I don't want to admit that I'm selfish is a selfish act. When the church is united in Christ, that's when the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, has his way. That's when the testimony and the witness for the power of God comes through the members of the church, out into the community, and people in the community can't help but notice you. They can't help but be touched by God. 
in some way. They might not even know it. All they know is that family down the street, they're such nice people. How, can, how is it that I want to be at their house all the time? How come they're always being nice to me? They have all this terrible stuff in their life, and they still seem to be joyful. They still seem to be having it together. What do they have that I don't have? I want you to know, when people pursue the Lord, he will make himself known. When we pursue the Lord, he'll make himself known. He doesn't hide from us. He is the Almighty. His way is the right way. And his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I knew you were going to amen that one. Because we, I mean, we want to amen that one. We're all like, yeah, what the Lord wants. Are we amening that on Tuesday afternoon or Thursday? Hello? I'm not... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord puts stuff in front of us that we kind of like, hmm. We know it's the Lord's will. We know it would please God, but it's just something about it that's difficult. Huh? I'm, I'm trying to hurry up and get to verse 7, but I'm trying to slow down because I don't, I don't want to get a, a, a quick sermon in here because then y'all start expecting stuff. Verse 7 is where it's at, guys. I got to say it. For the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. We can't stop God, y'all. Nobody can stop God. No church congregation, no sinner, no unrepentant sinner, no preacher, no group of elders, no denomination. All the heathens in the world can't stop God. All we can do is situate ourselves to miss out on what he's doing. Or we can situate ourselves to be a part of it. Be a part of the biggest and greatest thing ever. I don't know about y'all, but that's what I'm after, y'all. I have, I, have to, I have this deep need in my heart to be around other people that really want to make disciples, that really want God to, to, to be honored and glorified, and really want people to know that Jesus really is the Christ. He really did die on the cross. He really did come back from the dead. And he really is with the Father waiting to come back here. And he really does love everybody, even the ones who don't love him. And if I can just be a small part of what's going on in his kingdom, then I'd be so blessed. None of us deserve the blood of Christ. None of us deserve to even come close to being a part of the kingdom of God. None of us deserve to even taste even even a small portion of the power of the kingdom of God. Yet Jesus. Yet Jesus and his love that put him on the cross opened the door so that you and I can say, yeah, I want I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. But wait, wait. If you're going to be a part of that, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. People aren't going to like you. In fact, people are going to hate you. 
Here's a news flash. Sometimes people in the church are going to hate you. I wish that wasn't true. I wish it wasn't true. But if there ain't no ox in the barn, oxen in the barn, then you ain't got to watch your step. If there's no people in the church, then there's nothing to worry about as far as conflict and struggle. The problem is if there's no people in the church, then God's not in the church. Hello? You can't have God without people. That's why in, in our Wednesday night, okay, commercial time, y'all. In our Wednesday night Bible study, which I hope you all are tuning into or coming here for, we're studying in Hebrews where it says you really can't be a part of the church without being around God's people. I don't know how many people I meet on a regular basis that say, I'm done with church. I love God and I love Jesus, but I'm done with church because somebody made them mad. And I, and I pray for the opportunity to help them understand that why on earth, why, what in this world would cause you to forfeit your relationship with God over a person? A person who is not perfect just like me and you. We get so mad that we forfeit the Lord and everything he has for us and our part in the kingdom of God. We surrender the power of God in our life because we don't want to be around God's people. It's tough, isn't it? Verse 28 of chapter uh, 4 we read last, last week. It says, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Talking about the miracles that the apostles were doing. Talking about the gospel they were preaching. And they were talking about how God's will said this was going to happen. Way before you and I ever thought about being created. People are going to come into this church, y'all. They're going to come in here. They're going to hear the gospel. With God's help. They're going to hear the gospel and they're going to have to make a decision. And when they make that decision, they're going to either get up and leave and never come back or they're going to get up and say, I need Jesus as much as everybody else. And we're going to end up baptizing those people and we're going to end up helping them learn what it means to be a Christian and walk with the Lord. We're going to end up helping them exercise their faith so that the power of God will be strong in their life so that we can all go and make disciples. That's the one of two things are going to happen because we are faithful. And we believe in the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's how I know that we can't lose. And I'm going to kind of wrap it up some. Here's how I know. Go back to John, the Gospel of John. Chapter 17. Now, I believe this Bible is truth. Absolute truth. I believe the truths that are in here are God's words. And I'm going to read to you in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, starting in verse 20, some evidence that shows that our Lord, our Savior, the one who died for me and you, got on his knees before the Father and asked for a blessing for me and you. Now, I don't know if I can, I don't think we can ever find a more righteous prayer than this one that came out of Jesus' heart. He says, look at this, verse 20 of chapter 17. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. Let me just say that. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Here it is, y'all. May those also be in us, look here, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And then he just keeps going on with that prayer. Jesus, our Savior, is saying to God, I want those who believe to be one with me, just like I am with you. Doesn't mean we, we're not going to have issues among the church, the believers. It doesn't mean we're not going to disagree and have things that we need to solve, problems. That, but the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the unity that we have with one another in Christ should overcome all of that. And I'm going to let you know this. When people see how the believers are living in the power of God and how the power of God overcomes all of the trouble that people have with one another, that's when they know it's genuine. There's so many people in this world that are, they just don't go to church because they're like, all these people say they know the truth, but they don't live like they know the truth. They preach this, but they live that way. But when it's genuine and it's real, when the Spirit of God is in you and alive and well, and God's will is being made known in your life and throughout your life, and it all bleeds into the congregation, and we are all firing on all cylinders, so to speak, you can't stop the gospel. You, we won't be able to stop the people to come in here to get saved. Right? Y'all, y'all ought to be, y'all ought to be calling somebody and say, "Look, uh, I know it's two in the morning, but my neighbor's like knocking on my door. He's so convicted. He said, I got to be saved right now. I got to be, I got to get baptized right now. Be right there. How many of y'all would get up two in the morning and meet us down at the river?" over here at the church. Anybody go? Anybody want to go? I know some of y'all are like, put it on live on Facebook. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I get it. It's okay. <laughs> it's hard to get up to in the morning. But I'm going to tell you something. I, if you're like me, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder and harder to ignore the obvious in this world. This world is not going to last forever. Jesus will come back. People are dying, y'all. And we've been preaching that for years. People before me have been preaching that. But I'm going to say something. Since, since this pandemic, I'm telling you what, people have been dying. And I know that not everybody who's died since the pandemic started is saved. And if, and, if, and if you're in tune with the Spirit of God and you're in tune with the gospel and the power of the gospel, that should concern you. Not just about your own loved ones, but about everybody. About everybody. There's all kinds of discussions and questions and debates going on in the world about not only the pandemic, but everything else that's going on in society. 
and, and people are asking this question, and they're fighting about that question, and they're taking a stand about this issue. And who's taking a stand for the gospel and for the people who are dying and going to hell? If it ain't the ones who are living in the power of God, who is it? I know I mentioned this morning in Sunday school, uh, there seems to be a lot, a lot more funerals lately for a lot of different reasons. And somebody, a good, a good brother friend of mine, love him to death, just told me a couple weeks ago, and I don't think he thought about what he was saying, but he was like, he said, uh, funerals aren't the place to preach the gospel and try to get people saved. I was like, dude, I stand, I stand in, in, in disagreement with that because people are looking at things that they're trying to ignore and they can't take their eyes away from it. And their hearts are wide open looking for answers. They're looking for God. Who, why wouldn't I tell them about the Lord? Because that's the only thing I have to offer in that situation. I can't make their pain go away. I can't make their problems get solved. All I can tell them is about Jesus, what I know about the Lord. And the power of God and how we can have peace and, and hope in the middle of hardship like that. And maybe there's some people there that aren't saved. And maybe they would get saved because they know they can't avoid it. We're all leaving this world, y'all. Every single one of us is going to leave this world. I know that I'm going to be with the Lord when that happens. I got just under 12 hours left in my 40s. If the Lord gives me another year, then tomorrow I'm going to start my 50s. Praise the Lord. I know I don't look like it. I look like I'm 23, but you know. <laughs> my wife's over here laughing. I don't know. I, know. I didn't even know if I would live to be 50, y'all. The way I used to live my life. And if some preacher didn't sit down in my house and lay this gospel down in a way that I couldn't ignore it, who knows where I'd be. And if the Spirit of God and His power and His authority didn't come in and take over my heart, who knows where I would be. We, we have the greatest thing there is in all of existence. The power of God cannot be stopped. Jesus himself asked God for it. You know the scripture tells us, whatever you ask in my name and I'll make it happen. It says it several times. Right? We've talked about that before. Well, who else can be in Jesus' name better than Jesus? When he says to God, hey, I want all who believe to be united with me. And if that's, if that's going to happen, and it does, then that means when I look around the room, I see other people that are just like me, and they have the same spirit in them that they have in me. So I have, I have no right to stay in conflict with them. And I have no right to disrupt what the Lord is trying to do within the church just because I got problems. If I want to make disciples if I really want people to get saved. If I really want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that great? Oh. 
I'm still young, y'all. I really am. Sometimes, some days are better than others, but I'm still, I'm still spry, right? All, all these older dudes are just laughing at me because they're like, yeah, if the Lord gives you enough time, we'll see how you feel. <laughs> right? I ta- I'll take what the Lord gives me. Right? Because here's what I deserve. Because I'm an egg-sucking-dog sinner, I deserve the pits of hell. And I deserve to be separated from a holy God for eternity. That's what I deserve. But it's for the grace of God and the power of God that can change all of that for everybody. All you have to do is accept that. All you have to do is give in to it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God's answer to your problem. He says, if you believe, just repent. Stop being an offender of a holy God. Make a decision. I'm not going to live this way anymore. Then it says to confess that Jesus is the Christ. Don't be ashamed of that. Stand up to the world and say, hey, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe he's my Lord and my Savior. Then it tells us to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. I'm in for that, y'all. Because once I realized that I was a, a sinner and an offender of God, and that God uh, w- was not happy with me, and that I had a problem, I was disconnected from him, I was like, just like in Acts chapter 2, what do I do? What do I do? It was a, it was a panic. And then you can be forgiven of your sins. For the gift of the Holy Spirit, y'all, the power of God will move in, and it's on after that. You're part of the kingdom. You're you're working for the Lord. You're doing the thing that the Lord has called you to do, what Jesus died for you to do. You are a world changer by the grace of God. That's the gospel message. That's what Jesus died for. That's what the Spirit of God is available for. Y'all come to revival and continue to get revived. Y'all ready? We're going to sing a song. If you need to be saved, if you're not saved, if you haven't accepted the Lord, you haven't repented, right now is the time to come. Don't wait. Do not wait. Right now is the time to come to be baptized. You ready? Let's stand together and sing.